My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. This week, we're doing a little bit of listener questions. Let's get right into them. Our first, what are your thoughts on solo trips? I will say, and I think I've said this before, that my single biggest regret from when I was single and when I really had nothing on my plate was not going on an extended solo trip. My biggest regret after quitting my job and moving across the country down to Austin where I live now was not doing extended solo trip. When I moved down to Austin, I was so excited to start my job and to just do something different that I kind of jumped all over it. And rather than giving myself a nice little cushion between jobs, I decided to just move right down here. And unfortunately, after I got down here, I kind of had the realization that, you know, I had the job. They would have probably taken me two weeks or a month later than I actually started. And I wish I would have done something with that time. The reason I never really did this in my life was kind of the circumstances of things. I've never really had just a wide open, you know, time frame where I can just go off the grid for a bit. Uh, money was also a driving factor for that. I think anytime you go on a long trip, whether it's, you know, to, you could be going downstate somewhere, you could be going across the ocean somewhere, you could be going really anywhere. I think money plays a factor no matter what, because you have to float along for longer than you're used to. And that was never really an option for me. And then obviously the, the third part of that of why I never did one was just time. Uh, the things that I wish I would have done and places I would have gone to were just kind of places where you go off the grid, your Montanas, your Wyomings, your Canadas. I also wish I would have done a solo trip to Europe at some point in my life, whether it was England and Scotland, maybe go over to Norway, maybe even go over to some Eastern European countries. Um, one time my sister went to Iceland, it looked absolutely delightful and I, I've been wondering why I haven't done that ever since. But now that I have a lot more responsibilities in life, I have a wife, I have a child, it's just much more difficult to do this kind of thing. But I could not implore you more to set some money aside and make this happen if you have the time. When I say that it's my single biggest regret when it comes to my personal life, I absolutely mean it. Our next question, how's your iPhone home screen looking? I like to run a very tight ship on my phone. If I'm looking at my phone, I'm probably either doing some work, I'm trying to mindlessly scroll something and relax, or I'm just like checking email and stuff like that. Uh, iPhone's new app setup has made this a lot easier on me. They have something called the app library now, which makes it so much easier to keep our phones organized without putting in any effort. As far as my actual home screen looks, it's fairly efficient in terms of what I need in my life. The only apps that I use regularly or apps that I don't want to go searching for, these are the apps that I actually put on my screen. The weather widget is the top of my screen and then next to that I have just icons like photos, maps, the clock, reminders, wallet, New York Times, Nanit, which is our camera for our child, uh, the Snoo, which is the bassinet for our child, and my Peloton app. Uh, it really just makes sense for me to have these in there because they're the ones that I use the most and they're the ones that I need to use in like a quick period of time. It's like, oh shoot, I need to log I need to go into my phone and get these. My home row, however, is much more efficient than that. It's just phone for obvious reasons, messages for obvious reasons, Spotify, and camera. I think having my camera in the, the home row is a little different, but if I have my phone open, it's so easy to pop the camera open right when it's on the home row. If I'm, going to go into, if I'm going to spend hours a day on my phone, I might as well try to streamline things to make sure that I'm not just using pointless apps. But when it comes to my recent screen time, I don't think it's worth going down that path as I'm not very proud of it. Our next question. I'm heading to Aspen for our honeymoon and I need all the tips. 
I will say, full disclosure, I've only been to Aspen once and it was fall of last year. My sister lived there for a long time. She's probably an expert and she's probably going to roll her eyes at me when I talk about this kind of stuff. But we went in the beginning of October. The weather was perfect. The fall colors were in full bloom. And I don't think I could have scripted a better trip. What you need to do, which is, this is not to be confused with the only things to do in Aspen because this is definitely not the only way to go. This is just what I did. Uh, one of the things that we did was go, the first thing we did in the morning when we woke up was we went to the store Kimasabe. It's a kind of Western wear store, but they make their own hats there and it's awesome. I mean, it just smells incredible. There's ambiance, like the smell just hits you when you go in and it's really hard to walk out of there without buying something. If you want to see what I'm talking about, Google Jeff Bezos Kimasabe Aspen and you can see that he actually rode a horse into the store and it kind of makes it into like a nice little unique spot. Uh, a restaurant we went to that was my favorite restaurant. It's a high-end restaurant with very high-end vibes, but it's called Batula. Each of the drinks is served in a unique glass, and it, has, it was an unbelievable meal with an awesome ambiance. We sat uh, outside, but we had a view into this kind of living room scenario with a library and a fireplace. It was just very relaxed. We also did Matsuhisa, which was decent sushi. Our experience was kind of ruined by COVID because we didn't have much atmosphere, but from everything I've ever heard about Aspen, everyone says to go there. We also went to a lunch spot with our last stop of the trip called Meat and Cheese. I had an unbelievable uh, Korean fried chicken sandwich. It was one of the best fried chicken sandwiches I've ever had in my life. And I, the second we sat down and started eating there, I said, we have to come back here the next time we're here. And then the final restaurant we went to was actually the first restaurant that we went to, and it was called Pine Creek Cookhouse. It was my fav favorite meal of the trip. Uh, we went for lunch. It's kind of difficult to get there in the wintertime. I think you actually have to ski in and ski out, but we were driving there since it was October. They have amazing local cuisine and a view that is absolutely unbeatable. As for hikes, we did Maroon Bells, which is touristy but worth the visit. It was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. We also did the Ute Trail. It's a hike that most people can handle. It's got a great view. Uh, and you can either go to the top of the mountain or you can kind of go to the view and then just turn around and that's what we did. We didn't do a ton of hikes while we were there because my wife was pregnant, but it was still fun nonetheless. And like I said, this is not the definitive Aspen guide, but simply my favorite things that we did while we were there. Uh, our next question, what is your all-time favorite luxury brand? Go. This is an extremely difficult question. Most of my high-end luxury brand experiences derived from my previous retail job, so I was more into selling it than I was actually buying it and using it. But some that jump off the page for me are Aqua de Parma. It's an Italian fragrance brand that has all of my favorite scents, uh, from their packaging to their uh, line of products to just everything. They just do it very right, and I think if I had to pick one, that would probably be the one that I picked. Uh, there's also a brand called Sir Trudon, the candle brand that I've spoken at length about. I think. Uh, Earlier in August, I did a Worth the Splurge segment during a previous episode, pretty much just based on everything I know about the Sea Orchard on Candle line. I do love them. It's one of my favorite brands, but it is so expensive that it's kind of difficult to swallow that price. Uh, and then my other one is I'm Leon Dor. It's an extremely popular menswear brand right now, and for good reason. I will say that their most recent collection is incredible looking, but it kind of just puts out like high-end Carhartt vibes. I will say that we're doing a fall fashion episode next week, so there might be more on that then, so I'll save it for then. But at the end of the day, these luxury brands are just that, they're luxury brands. I don't use or wear these things every day, and so I see them as more aspirational than anything. But when Christmas comes around, I'll have some things on there that I'd never dream of buying myself. So, you know, my list might get a little expensive, but I don't really anticipate getting much of that anyway. So might as well, might as well try. 
Uh, let's hear from our sponsor this week, Early Bird CBD. Early Bird gummies are recreational hemp products that contain around 2.5 milligrams of natural THC and around 12.5 milligrams of CBD in each gummy. They are formulated for fun and to make you feel good. These guys were one of the original sponsors of this podcast as well as some other podcasts we have on the Wash Media Network. They're based in Austin and they really, they're really a local company. I actually used to live with some of these guys. Uh, there's, it's such an exciting gummy because it's different than any other CBD gummy that you've ever had. Rather than taking something to try to like, you know, relax and settle in for the night, these are kind of more of just a little more fun. Uh, if you're looking for a full spectrum hemp infused edible, you will feel instead of just think you're feeling, look no further than these. Early bird gummies are made with full spectrum hemp oil and contain a five to one CBD to THC ratio. ratio. And like I said, you can actually feel these things. Uh, I would highly suggest going over to earlybirdcbd.com and using promo code SCARIES for 20% off of your first order. Again, that's earlybirdcbd.com, promo code SCARIES for 20% off of your first order. These are single use codes, so make sure to load up on your first one and enjoy. Now let's do some more questions. How do you slash did you balance FOMO and moving on from nights out? I'll be the first to admit three things. I don't go out nearly as much as I used to. I don't wanna go out nearly as much as I used to. And I physically can't go out as much as I used to. And do I care? Not really. When I turned 27, my hangovers truly started to get pretty awful. And when I moved to Austin, right around that age, I decided to power through it for numerous reasons, like, you know, just meeting people. Uh, I had a rule for myself to say yes to every invite that I got so I could meet new people and enjoy myself. It was just kind of the thing that I did, and I had to power through those hangovers, unfortunately. But now that I'm married with a child, the desire simply isn't there anymore. However, for the purpose of this question, I'll refer to the time before I was married with a kid. For me, it's all about why you're going out. For me, it was to have fun and meet people. For others, it might be because you're single, you're bored, or you're just trying to have fun and let loose for the night. Whatever that may be, I'm not going to blame you for it. I got to the point where being in a crowded bar simply wasn't worth it for me. It was too expensive to drink all night. I couldn't hear the people that I'm with and the people that I wanted to talk to. And my craving to go out turned into a craving to relax. I had a lot of FOMO in my 20s because I lived somewhere where there wasn't a huge bar scene year round, but I curbed this FOMO by telling myself the following things. Going out for the sake of going out is pointless. It's, you're just wasting money, you're wasting energy, and you're just waking up feeling terrible about yourself. There are, are also a lot of benefits to feeling refreshed all weekend. I learned that way too late in life, but waking up completely refreshed on a Sunday makes the rest of your week just feel so much better. And I can also use my time so much more productively if I choose to not to go out instead of go out. You know, whether it's just relaxing, whether it's getting stuff done, organizing my apartment, whatever it may be. I just feel like your time is better used as you start to get worse and worse hangovers. And now I do look forward to the big nights still, those celebrations, group trips, those random nights where something fun happens out of nowhere. And because I do kind of live for those nights at this point, I wouldn't really change a thing. Our next question, is there proper etiquette for unfollowing or purging social media followers? I will say that doing a mass unfollow may be one of the more satisfying things that you can do. Before Instagram was Instagram, I did something that pissed a few friends off. I unfollowed every brand that I followed. I didn't want Instagram to be something that wasn't personally fulfilling to me. I felt like a customer more than a user at that point, and my friends that had their own businesses, I think they were kind of offended when I decided to unfollow them all. But I did follow my friends' businesses back. I'm not that much of a jerk. But recently, I did unfollow about 60 people on a lazy afternoon. I asked myself a few questions before I did it. Why am I following this person or brand in the first place? Are they making my experience better on the app? 
how often do I see them on my feed? If I didn't see them very much, I was like, well, whatever. If I see them all the time and they annoyed me, it was an immediate unfollow. Uh, I also said, if I see this person in public, will I feel weird because I unfollowed them? And then finally, do I even really care? As it turns out, I don't think I do. Social media serves a lot of purposes. A lot of people will say it's networking for them is the most important part. Some will say it's a total waste of time. But for me, it's not only work, but a way to feel kind of creatively fulfilled without doing anything. I kind of like looking at the creativity from other people and it kind of inspires me. So if someone or something isn't adding to your experience, well, then why do you care if you stop following them? And if someone gets mad that you unfollowed them, I think that's kind of a bad look on their part. Our next question, if you could live on the set of any Nancy Myers film, which one would you choose? There are so many Nancy Myers films to choose from. So if you're unfamiliar with her work, it's probably because you don't realize that it's actually her work. She's a staple in the rom-com Sunday rotation. Father of the Bride, The Parent Trap remake, Something's Gotta Give, The Holiday, It's Complicated, and so many more. I'm going to break these down into three different movies because I have three different situations that I want houses for and I couldn't choose just one so I figured I'd kind of, you know, kind of treat this question a little differently. Uh, for my everyday house, if I had to raise a family in this house, I would choose the house from Father of the Bride. They have the basketball court in the driveway, which I think is just one of the sweetest things in those movies. It just kind of, it makes you feel tingly. It makes you want to hang out with your parents and it makes you want to bond with your father. It's just an awesome thing. And Steve Martin crushes the role in that. There's just, I have no issue with it. If I have a vacation home, however, I'm gonna choose Diane Keaton's house and Something's Gotta Give with Jack Nicholson. Uh, the, the kitchen in that might be the greatest single kitchen ever constructed. Uh, I think a lot of people use that as their inspiration if they're redoing a house. Uh, the family room, the living spaces, the couches, the libraries, the different chairs. It's just incredible. It might be the greatest house on film that's ever been filmed. It's just a perfect house. But for my retirement, I'm gonna choose the Holiday English House. They called it the Rose Hill Cottage. It's cozy, it's quaint, and it's off the grid. And I think that if you've ever seen The Holiday, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, another question, what's your current favorite airport fit? A lot has been made about what people wear to airports lately over the past couple years on Twitter. I feel like people get roasted for what they wear to the airport all the time. There are rules out there. The most important one that people hang their hat on is that no shorts uh, are allowed on planes at this point, but you see shorts all the time, especially since I live in Texas. But when I travel, all I really require is comfort. I have two different outfits that strive for this. The first is for my departing flight, which is a much different outfit than I have for my return flight. It's bird dogs pants that I just absolutely love their pants, especially for travel. They just make so much sense. Or I have a pair of Lululemon Utilitech pants that are very comfortable, but they almost look like jeans. From there, I just use a cotton t-shirt. I bring a pullover of some sort in case I get too uh, cool on the flight or in the airport. And then I keep an extra shirt or sweatshirt on me at all times in my carry-on just in case something happens. I don't want a rogue cup of coffee spilling on me to ruin my entire travel day. For return flights, I usually dress a little more casual than that. I like to do some black Lululemon joggers, a long sleeve black t-shirt, and a pair of sneakers. For some reason when I'm traveling, I enjoy traveling in black. I think it makes me feel a little bit cleaner. It makes me feel a little bit slimmer after eating and drinking on vacation. And for a departing flight, uh, I usually might have plans immediately following that flight, so I have to go directly somewhere. I always hold myself to a little bit higher standard there, and I dress up a little bit more for the flight there. But I'm always more casual on the return, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. 
Another sponsor for this week's episode is Honey. We all shop online and we've all seen that promo code field taunt us at checkout, but thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is a free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. They support over 30,000 stores online that range from tech to gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. Imagine you're shopping at one of your favorite sites and when you go to checkout, the Honey button just drops down and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. You wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site. And if Honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop. Uh, Honey has saved me money on pretty much everything I've bought online over the past couple years. I was using this before they were a sponsor for this podcast, so you know that I love it. I saved money on my tuxedo for my wedding, to every pair of shoes that I've bought over the past few years, to just really anything. They have over 17 million members and have saved their, their members over $2 billion in savings. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash scaries. Again, that's joinhoney.com slash scaries. Now let's do a couple more questions. How has fatherhood changed the way that you spend your Sundays? If you're not familiar, I became a father on April 20th of this year. Something I, It's kind of something I don't discuss much on this podcast for various reasons. One, I think the, the listenership doesn't really care about fatherhood as I think that it's a little younger than me and that's okay. And uh, another one is just, I don't really feel the need to just talk about my child all the time. I think that some people get tired of that and I'm not gonna put you through that because that's not what this podcast is for. But in the beginning, it did completely change my Sundays. I would sit at home all day, but it wasn't really in a relaxed way. I kind of felt like I was on call the entire time and I I felt like I was kind of exhausted the entire time. Uh, I was napping when I could, I was sleeping in later, I was going to bed earlier, and you're just kind of, you're grabbing any time that you can in order to sleep. And that's just kind of the difficulties of early fatherhood. It's it's not easy uh, the first couple months being a father, especially a new father. I didn't know what to expect and it kind of just rattled me a little bit. These days, I've begun to uh, lean in a lot more when it comes to fatherhood. I'm much more comfortable running errands or going to meals or brunch with him. Uh, We even do some pool days once in a while, and I definitely force him to watch soccer with me. Luckily for me, he really enjoys looking at the TV screen when there's green on it. He just sees the green for some reason, and he just watches it. Or maybe he just loves watching soccer at the tender age of four months old. But in reality, Sundays feel much less scary to me now because I definitely seek comfort in him, and that's something I hope never changes. Our next question, do you have any merch coming out soon? Uh, Merch has kind of been a tricky thing for me lately. It's kind of something that happens to me a lot, but it's that whole paralysis by analysis mentality. I have a lot of merch ideas. They all have to do with aiding in a relaxed Sunday. And while we don't have solid plans for any merch this fall, uh, I definitely will be releasing stuff this fall. I do have larger plans that I simply need to put in action now that the dust has settled from being a new father. But until that dust really settles, I'm kind of just going to play things by ear. I have so much that I'd like to do that I'm kind of having a hard time nailing down the perfect way to do it. As someone who really only takes calculated risks in my life, it's been difficult for me to figure out everything throughout fatherhood so far on the work front. What can you keep an eye out for? Maybe some comfy sweats, maybe some eye masks, some oversized tees, accessories, and more. But if you're a fan of fall scented candles, please keep an eye out on that front with something coming very soon to you. Uh, And our final question, what's changed the most about doing the show as long as you have? If you're an early listener, you know that we've been doing the show for about three years now, a little over three years. And I think I've only missed three, four episodes total. 
uh, in the beginning, I have some critiques for myself. It was too scripted. I was too nervous. I was too focused on being relaxed rather than just being relaxed. I was really sticking to the script at all times. And from behind the scenes, I spent so much time editing, like so much time editing the podcast. It became a little neurotic. I got in trouble with advertisers for reads that were not spaced out enough. And it was kind of a unique idea in a unique format. And so I kind of had a bunch of different things that I had to do in order to make it a viable podcast and not just sit down and record for eight to 20 minutes every single Sunday. Uh, things have changed since then. Uh, I'm doing more interviews. I will pull back the curtain a little bit and say that the interviews that I do, they don't really do as good of listens as the normal episodes, but they have so much value to the listener that I really don't care. Uh, in terms of just how I feel about the podcast, I feel more relaxed. I feel more focused on caring if something is on brand or sorry, I feel less focused on that. If something's not as on brand as it used to be, I don't really mind as long as it's something that I want to talk to. I definitely feel open to discussing pretty much anything on this podcast and it's truly turned into my own little personal journal. I've never known for how long I've wanted to do this podcast for. It could be for years to come. Uh, it could turn into a seasonal podcast where I take summers off. I'm not really sure, but I'm still enjoying it, which is what matters most. But regardless of how it's changed, I still feel incredibly supported by the entire listenership as a whole. And for that, I cannot thank you enough. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter at Sundayscaries and Instagram, which is at Sunday.scaries. Or you can follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Will DeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday. <laughs>